things are afoot at the Circle K. chosen one to host the show, but hosting is a full-time commitment, and he's been a little distracted lately. Trinity. See what I'm talking about? Listen here, you beautiful bitch, I'm about to fuck you up with some truth. Watch the sass, Captain Sassy Pants. Yeah, you're kind of spazzing out, dude. You haven't answered my question. Yes, I did. You see, what You I... haven't answered my... I'm trying. You just need to let me talk. Why am I here? You shut up. You won't let it. No, you won't let it! I'm the one who talks! Okay, mouth shut! Ears open! You haven't had You do not want to see me get out of this chair! What's going on, everybody out there in podcast land? Once again, you have reached the airwaves of the greatest podcast to broadcast from an underscore... Oh, shit. My tasty beverage just hit my uh, mic stand as I was doing my intro. Um... And since I'm not a professional broadcaster and I'm lazy as fuck, I'm just going to keep that in there. So, um, as you can hear from the slurping noises, you know, if you're a new listener, you probably just shut the podcast off. (laughs) Okay, let's try it again. The greatest podcast to broadcast from a undisclosed location somewhere in possibly Wyoming, possibly Montana, possibly Utah. Who knows? Who knows where I'm at? Um, somewhere in that part of the country. With no further ado, my name is the illustrious Johnny Motherfucking Doe, and this is Strange Things Are Afoot at the Circle K. Um, what's going on? It is, uh, what is today's date? June 21st, um, 2020. Lots been going on in the world. If you listen to my previous podcast, I kind of railed on, uh, kind of got on my soapbox about uh, Black Lives Matter and some of the just stupidness that's going on in our country right now. Um, and I would like to start this podcast by just expanding on that, then kind of going into some different ideas. And and let me explain one of the things I want to expand on. <clears throat> Usually, I do a podcast, and I don't want to say the topic's done because it's it's never done. But I, you know, I say everything I need to say, and you move on from there. But this is this isn't going away anytime soon. Um, there's a lot of bullshit that's going on in our country that we're not going to get over just when the news cycle is 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 done with it. I think it's going to morph and evolve into something else, especially going into the election cycle. Um, And one thing I will admit to is I do think that this this uh, is a riff that's been, let's just say this has been a wound in our country that's been festering for a long time. Say what you want about racism uh, in general or the lack thereof, um, it is an open wound. Our history of our country is not that different 
in a lot of ways to the histories of many countries, except ours is relatively new. It's only a few hundred years old. And so if you go to some of the histories of, let's say you go, I don't know, China. Um, it's been, you know, if, uh, if they refer back to the Mongolian hordes that destroyed uh, families um, and essentially recreated new bloodlines in mainland China, it, there's, they, I'm, sh- I'm sure, okay, I'm just making an assumption. It seems so long ago. And the echoes of it still aren't around. And that's probably how I would categorize, and I really can't take credit for it. I know I heard um, Eric Weinstein talk about it on Joe Rogan's podcast, and he said it best. Is, it's, it's not necessarily racism as of right now. It's, it's the echoes of racism, and especially like the echoes of slavery. Uh, I don't think we've squared that circle yet for a lot of different reasons. And we have so many different clashes of cultures in America. If it's immigration or it's Native Americans or uh, the black-white thing, that seems like it's never going to get resolved, at least on the macro. On the micro, I think, to be honest with you, I think most people, um, it's solved in, in that sense. But I do believe that there are people that kind of have a chip on their shoulder and um, it's it's hard without without being in their headspace to understand um, fully what expectation they have to correct that because I really don't know um, everything is pie in the sky because you can't undo the past and you can't um, you can't judge the sins of the past by today's virtues and morality. If you go down that road, uh, you're, you're always going to go down that road, and there's there's no such thing as, as a virtuous person at that point. Um, I was talking with my wife today about Dr. Martin Luther King, and, you know, there's lots of rumors, some confirmed, some not, that, you know, he was he had some infidelity even though he was a pastor and he was, or a reverend, and uh, he was who he was. We're all human beings. We all have flaws. It doesn't take away from who he is or who he was, but in 2020, people would drag his name through the mud even more so because um, even though we're more flawed than we've ever been um, or as much as we've ever been, everyone is ashamed and embarrassed of any little flaw and they have to try to hide it and and uh, pretend like that they are holier than thou um, and I think that's pro- part of the problem we have this cancel culture that has kind of taken over uh, where you're not allowed to be a human being and you're not allowed to make mistakes um, and the pendulum swings so the pendulum's always swung, you know, so far one way that it swings really far the other way. But now it seems to do it very quickly. Um, it's 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 kind of makes your head spin a little bit.
Okay, so let me get into kind of the meat of, uh, of why I'm addressing this again for the second podcast in a row. Listening to Joe Rogan and Eric Weinstein, I'm a huge Joe Rogan fan. Like anybody else that's a podcaster, uh, chances are if you have a podcast, do a podcast, you've been inspired by one of the um, founding fathers, if you will, of podcasts. And that's probably, you know, Mark Marin or Adam Carolla or Adam Curry or Joe Rogan. Um, you know, there's few people that have been doing as long as those people. And Joe Rogan is, is, is the biggest podcast, obviously. He just did that big deal with uh, Spotify. But I, I'm a huge fan. Doesn't mean I always agree with him. And, and it's quite to the contrary. When I disagree with him, um, I, I usually want to call him out, not because it's clickbait or I'm trying to uh, sharpshoot him or anything like that. It's because I have such high expectations of him as a as a person, and I agree with him so often when he's when I disagree, and he's like way off base on something. I feel like I have to I have to call it out. Um, so I'm gonna play you a clip from uh, his most recent podcast, or one of his most recent ones, I should say, um, where I really really vehemently disagreed with him. And he's talking to Eric Weinstein, and he's um, he's talking about, in particular, the Atlanta shooting, where the police officer or police officers in Atlanta were responding to a call that um, a man was drunk. Well, I shouldn't say that. They got a call that he was passed out in the drive-through of a Wendy's parking lot. Later, did a sobriety test found out that he was intoxicated, and then most of us know the story from there. Uh, tussle, cop shot him, killed him. Okay, very unfortunate, terrible. Since then, that cop has been indicted for murder. Um, and to me, this is a very polarizing thing, so much more than the George Floyd case, because George Floyd case, I think everybody can see that it was murder um, at the very, very least, uh, you're going to know that the cop really fucked up and yeah, I don't know anybody that, you know, probably the argument is what is it murder one, two or three, but I think everybody is pretty much in agreement with that. Now the Atlanta shooting, um, there's people that want them prosecuted. And then there's people like me that I don't, I think that's a knee jerk reaction. <clears throat> and there's so much, uh, actually of this discussion, between Joe Rogan and, and Eric Weinstein that I really disagreed with Joe Rogan on. I was very disappointed at his on his stance. And another reason why I was inspired to do this, start this podcast. I was inspired by Joe Rogan for the good reasons and because of the bad reasons. The bad reasons are because he is, no matter if he's Joe Rogan or not, he's a fucking celebrity. And I, I'm not, you know, I say fucking celebrity because it does, it really irritates me because I... I truly, truly, truly believe this in my heart of hearts. Now, he's more connected. Let me preface it with this. He's more connected uh, to the real world, quote unquote, than most celebrities. But with that being said, when you have so much money and so much power, so much influence, your world changes. You're not an everyday strap hanger like the rest of us. 
where you got to go to work and commute and uh, worry about your light bill and and uh, you know he's not doing a honeydew list around the house for his wife on his days off. He's not catching news here and there and and having discussions you know at the bar with other people other working class people. He's every once in a while coming in contact with a working class person like once a month and then thinks that he's a subject matter expert on something uh, when it comes to real world opinion. He thinks he's dialed into the real world a little bit more than he really is. That inspired me to be the voice of the everyday person, hence my alias Johnny Doe, because I'm, a, I'm everybody and I'm nobody at the same time. Um, I'm not trying to get famous off this podcast. I'm simply using it as a platform to give a voice to the voiceless, uh, which are the people that keep the lights on in this country, people that pave the roads, people that work at the power plants, people that work in the coal mines, you know, people that are school teachers, firefighters, police officers, soldiers, someone that works at the bank, works at Petco, the truck drivers, the people that make this world turn. And it's fantastic that we have people like Joe Rogan that help to entertain us while we keep the lights on, but make no mistake, that's all he does is entertain us. And we can't put a too too big of an emphasis on people like him because that's how we got Trump. And uh, if you've listened to this before, you know that that uh, I'll, I'm going to vote for Trump. I'm a supporter of his agenda. I'm not the biggest fan of him. I'm not, and I'm not a big fan of of uh, presidential candidates being celebrities. That's how it's going now. Um, like Joe Rogan says, we need The Rock to run for president. And, and I hate it when people say, well, he can't do any worse than Trump. Or it's like, we, we got to raise the bar. We got to stop looking up to these celebrities. These celebrities, they might be good people. They might be moral people. But it's easy to have a, to do charitable work and to, to have opinions and stuff when you don't have to worry about being fired and you got, uh, you know, $50 million in the bank or whatever these people have. Um you're, you're going to be disconnected and you have, you're surrounded by yes people. You know, Joe Rogan is surrounded by comedians that need a push from him. And so they're not really giving him too much pushback on anything that might be bullshit. He's, he's got a lot of yes men. I don't have any yes men in my life. I have people that want to poke holes in my security blanket all the time. I have people that want to call me out and say, you're full of shit, Johnny. Uh, no matter if it's at work or in my marriage or with my family or with just everyday people that you run into and have conversations with, we all have those people. That's what living in the real world is. But when when you have power and influence, you get disconnected and you start to think that uh, your opinions um, are well-formulated because people aren't giving you pushback. Like I think I have well-formulated opinions about shit, but people will email me after a podcast, they will call me, they will, uh, I'll get in discussions. And sometimes I realize that I wasn't as informed or um, I have another debate about it and uh, I have to rethink things. So that's what I mean by uh, why, you know, he inspired me good and bad and why I constantly got to push back on these ideas of, of having these fucking celebrities 
um, giving advice to the everyday working people. All right, so I'm going to play this clip real quick with my uh, awesome audio engineering skills, which is me holding my iPhone up to the microphone. Listen, you fucks. And a uh, a very good point about the guy who was killed. What what is the gentleman's name that was killed in the drive in the drive through uh, fast food place? Richard, is that how you say his name? Um, who was just drunk and compliant and peaceful until they were telling him they were going to arrest him. Even said, "Get me an Uber." And what his point was, it was a very good point. Why were the police even called for that? This is a nonviolent person who just happened to be drunk. Was he doing something he shouldn't have been doing? Yes. But obviously, compliant, polite, speaking just like very reasonably until it escalated into this tussle. And then he lost his life. If they had just had some sort of a program where they could, we're going to park your car, sir. Or we'll have someone drive your car to your house. We're going to call you an Uber or we're going to take you home. And we're going to just write you a ticket and work this out in court. You're not going to go to jail. You don't have to be arrested. You don't have to be handcuffed. You're not going to be treated like a monster. You fucked up. You made a mistake. But you're not a bad person. You're not a person who's trying to hurt people. The police should be there for robbers, murderers, rapists. That's that's what we need the police for. And this is another, n- none of those things. This is just. Okay, so uh, hopefully you could glean kind of where I'm going with this. So first off, the premise that Joe Rogan was um, pontificating is the premise of police only being around to enforce violent crimes. And right off the bat, I had to mention this because I disagree with his premise because Joe Rogan explicitly said that this guy was not trying to hurt someone. Hmm. Well, there's many laws in this country that we make, vote on, or legislate, I should say, because we don't necessarily vote on laws, but our legislators do. That we come up with that, uh, and I'm no fan of, of having a thousand fucking laws. But let's take speeding and careless driving, drunk driving, insurance violations, uh, licensing your vehicle, um, so on and so forth. Even some states making you inspect a vehicle before you can put it on the road. Why do we have those laws? Well, because unintentionally... You might be going 120 miles an hour on a residential street because you got a Dodge Challenger Hellcat and you want to open it up and show your friends how fast you can go. And unbeknownst to you, a group of kids riding their bike pull out in front of you and you're unable to stop and you slam into them. You weren't intending to kill anyone. You weren't intending to hurt anyone, but you still did. And so we have devised a system of laws and statutes to eliminate the possibility, if these rules are followed, of negligent manslaughter, homicide, things like that. Now, obviously that still happens because people still break the law. 
But if everyone followed the law, there would be very few of those instances. So I don't even know. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to do this real time here. Okay? How many drunk driving fatalities per year in US? Okay. So I'm typing it in. How many drunk driving fatalities per year in the United States? Okay. <clears throat> Every day, almost 30 people in the United States die in drunk driving crashes. That's one person every 50 minutes, okay? So 30 people a day. Joe Rogan is talking about one guy who got shot. No matter if it's right, wrong, I'm trying to just be indifferent and separating the humanity from it. I know it's a stretch, right? But just go with me down this road. He's talking about one person that, yeah, we'll just leave it at that. And there's 30 people a day that get killed due to drinking and driving. And that's with the laws being in place. So how many drunk driving, okay, um, I, I read this statistic the other day, so I don't need to Google it, but drunk driving arrests that are made, DUIs, per year is like 1.5 million in the country, okay? So even though we we prevent that many drunk drivers, if, if we didn't have laws um, for drunk driving, then I would say it would probably be more like I don't know, double, let's say 60 a day, 60 times 365, that's quite a few, okay? I don't understand where, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and go on a limb and say Joe Rogan would say he agrees. He agrees that that should be enforced. We should have laws against drinking and driving or driving while intoxicated, not just drinking, but drugs or, or what have you. Where we differ is obviously he doesn't think it needs to be enforced. He thinks that the police are there to go in and talk to some guy that's already committed the crime. Okay, because he got to Wendy's. He already committed a crime. He's behind the wheel. He passed out. And then you're going to call him an Uber? Why? Okay, why is that problematic? Well, it's problematic because what is the point of laws when they're not enforced? And there's no way to dissuade people from making that decision because there are certain laws in the book, no matter seatbelt violations or even some speeding tickets that especially if you got a lawyer and you can get it off your record, it's not really doing anything. It's not going to prevent people from speeding. It's not going to prevent whatever that behavior is because the consequence of that behavior is not severe enough. DUIs can ruin people's lives. I know in the military, you get uh, a DUI, you could lose your your career could be over, especially if you are um, have a license to operate a military vehicle. You will lose that license. And if that's your job in the military, you're going to lose your job. If you're a truck driver, if you're 
you know, there's a plethora of different jobs that you could lose your job if you get a DUI. And if you get multiple DUIs, uh, like this man here, it could really fuck with your life. And if you're on probation or parole or anything like that, uh, like this guy, um, it can really fuck with you. So the premise that Joe Rogan is saying is our police should be there to advise somebody, hey man, we'll take you home. We're going to we're going to be a taxi service for fucking drunk drivers now. I mean, what would keep you from drunk driving if you got caught? The worst that was going to happen is you get a ticket and an Uber ride home. There was a time in this country that if you were drinking and driving, that's all the cops did is give you a ride home. And that works in some of your smaller communities, not in Atlanta, Georgia. We don't do that anymore because it doesn't work. And we have 30 people dying a day from drunk driving. So obviously this doesn't necessarily work great either. But to sit there and say that the cops are negligent for this man goes into my next point that I want to make in my podcast is talking about you know racism and everything else in this country, why I always come back to instead of the macro but the micro is because you can control that. I said in my last podcast, if you don't trust the cops, all the more reason not to commit crimes and not put yourself in the stratosphere of the judicial system. So Rayshard should have probably not drank and drove. If he was afraid of going back to jail, um, you would think that if he's been to jail to begin with, that he was already making bad decisions and jail did not teach him not to make bad decisions. So probably giving him an Uber ride home probably isn't going to change his decisions as well because this man is incapable of making good decisions on a consistent basis, i.e. why he is dead. Because he then made a bad decision after talking to the police and they were putting him in handcuffs. to fight the police and not only fight the police, but go down this road. What end game do you have by punching a cop and taking his taser? What end game do you have? Most of us don't want to go to jail. Most of us are afraid of getting a DUI. Most of us fear the consequence of that action. And most of us still would not resist arrest, punch a cop and try to tase him. So the premise that Joe Rogan started at came from a standpoint of someone that, um, well, let's be honest, um, there's not a lot of consequences in his life because he promotes drug use, smoking uh, marijuana constantly. I don't give a shit if it's legal in his state. He talked about it when it wasn't legal, when it was just medicinal, and he bragged about going to the doctor and lying about, uh, oh, I got you know migraines or whatever to get a prescription. That is 
that happens when you are a Hollywood person or you're famous or whatever else. There's different rules that apply to you. And you want to talk about privilege. I, I talked about this in my last podcast. There is no such thing as white or black privilege. There is something uh, that is uh, economic privilege because, uh, you know, if you have good lawyers, they can always get you off the hook. Ray Shard didn't have a good lawyer, so he was going to go back to jail for a DUI. Joe Rogan probably wouldn't. What he would be worried about is it just being in the newspaper, but that's all the consequences that they're going to have. I mean, there's uh, all these movie stars and people that paid to have their daughters into college and committed fraud. I mean, fucking fraud. Didn't rob a bank, but fraud to the tune of hundreds of thousands of dollars and fucked other kids out of scholarships, and they go to jail for like a weekend or like 30 days at the most. I mean, to say that you're not privileged when you are uh, one of the elites in this country, well, you'd be wrong if you would say that. So so that's, I guess, where I'm trying to go with this, is Joe Rogan constantly has people on his podcast, like David Goggins, Jocko Willink, even in this podcast, he quotes Jocko Willink or uh, references him multiple times, and and Jordan Peterson, and these people have a uh, purveying wisdom that it's all similar, and that wisdom is something that I also adhere to, which is taking responsibility for yourself first. Not that there's not injustices in the world, but we have very little power to change that. I mean, think about this. There's people that did not vote for Trump, and when Hillary lost and Trump won, they fucking freaked out, and they lost their fucking minds. And for the last three years, all they've been doing is focusing on getting Trump out of office, no matter if it was through impeachment hearings or scandals or whatever, investigation, the Russia hoax bullshit. Instead of just focusing on things that can improve their life tomorrow if they just focused on their own health, well-being, financial success, you know, how hard they work, how much time they spend with their dog and their kids and their wife or husband or whoever. Getting a hobby, maybe getting into something else, or if you hate this country so much, finding out a way to move to Belize or Peru or some great country like uh, fucking Venezuela, <laughs> you know? I mean, you have the power to do that. You know, that's what's great about this world and what's great about the human mind is uh, whatever problem that you can devise on a personal level, you could probably, you have a lot of power to fix that. You have very little power. I would even garner to say you have no power to change the macro. You have a smidgen of pigeon of power to influence some people. But unless you're the president of the United States or a congressman or a mayor or something like that, you have very little power in what your society that you live in, what the laws of the land are, uh, or any of that stuff. But people focus on that so much without focusing on their own lives. And it's very hard for me to understand where Joe Rogan um, is hypocritical in this that he expects this man to be 
this is another one of the terms, and I talk about this a lot, the soft bigotry of low expectations. This is the real racism that is rearing its ugly head through Joe Rogan. And I'm not saying he's racist, but he doesn't realize that there is racism in the idea that black people cannot take care of themselves or disenfranchised people can't take care of themselves. I'm not saying I don't understand where he's going that why why can't we help people out? But you got to understand when someone is as old as this man or George Floyd, they've already made their decision of what type of person that they want to be. And you can't always say that it's just because they grew up in a bad neighborhood or they have a bad whatever. Because that's not the case. There's too many examples, too many of people that were born unprivileged in dire circumstances that got out of it and lift their way out of it and work their way out of it. And I'm sick and tired of people pretending like with this white savior complex that it's the white's job to save the black man and give them another opportunity. Just because they're white cops and it's a black perpetrator doesn't always mean it's racist. There's black cops too. You know, I saw this uh, meme that was going around social media and it had a black attorney next to a black um, defendant that he was representing and a black bailiff. And it said, three black men, three different decisions, three different paths is what it said. Who knows what neighborhood or, or what they where they came from, but the color of their skin alone does not dictate if that person is going to be a perpetrator, the attorney, or the bailiff. They all made different decisions. My decisions are what brought me to this podcast, what brought me to my military career, that brought me to marry my wife, to live where I'm living, the car I drive. It, it There's lots of different factors and say, yeah, there's, there's factors outside of it. interest rates. Let, let's say I'm wanting to buy a car. What cars are available? What interest rates are there? Um, you know, what's the weather like? You know, do I have a garage? Do, you know, how many kids do I have? There's all these factors. But the biggest factor is me, is the decisions I make that make that get me in a financial position to be able to buy that car or or provide a garage for it or my decisions of how many kids I have that determine if I get a minivan or a sports car. And Joe Rogan is constantly telling people, just work out, just mental health and and you know, smoke a joint, do mushrooms, you know, work on yourself is what his purveying wisdom is for most things. Except in the case of uh, this man in Atlanta, which as tragic as it was, it was brought by but because of poor decisions throughout his life. It wasn't just one poor decision. It was a plethora of poor decisions that led to this. And so to sit there and blame the police who are trying to enforce the laws that society has deemed important and no one deems DUI laws as unimportant. And if you want to say that you should not arrest somebody, then go talk to the 30 people's family 
So the hundreds, if not thousands of people that are affected every day by drunk drivers. And those are the people that are killed. We're not talking about, you know, I had a, a friend that was, I mean, he's permanently disabled because of drunk driving. He spent almost a year in the hospital, like three weeks in ICU and another six months in a rehab center, you know, in a year as an outpatient because of a drunk driver. So how can you sit there and say when when you find out that your kid was killed by a drunk driver? Oh, well, that guy got pulled over for drunk driving last week and the cop just called him an Uber. Well, take his license away. Yeah, because uh, we all know that as soon as you suspend someone's license, they won't drive anymore. I mean, go watch Live PD and realize that there's a whole plethora of people that they are one decision, bad decision after another. And I've, I've gone down that road before. I've committed crimes um, because I felt like I had to. I didn't get a driver's license till I was two weeks before my 20th birthday. And how I got a driver's license is I didn't have a car to take my driver's test. And so I walked to work for two years um, and saved enough money to be able to put a down payment down on a car then I had my mom co-sign for me and I bought a car without a driver's license. And before I could even license that car and register it, I had to have a driver's license. Before I could even put insurance on that car, I had to get a driver's license. And so I drove that car illegally for two weeks and taught myself how to drive. I mean, I kind of already knew because I took my driver's test before and failed it, but I always had shitty cars that I was taking it in or, or stick shift that I didn't know how to drive at the time. I do now, but I didn't at the time. And two weeks of driving, I went and drove myself to the license bureau, took the driver's test, got my driver's license. After I got my driver's license, I went and got insurance. After I got insurance, I was able to register my car. And two weeks after that, I got laid off from my job that I couldn't walk to anymore. And luckily I had a car to go um, get a different job that I couldn't walk to. And so I understand that there's people that have to stick their neck out sometimes. But drinking and driving is not sticking your neck out trying to better yourself or better your family. You're making bad decisions. And, and this guy was a father. I'm not saying he deserved to die. That's where people get they get wrapped around the axles about that shit. But we have to hold people accountable for their bad decisions. And so that's why I always come back to and before you talk about racism, before you talk about the system or white privilege or even economic disparities that certain people encounter, you have to look at the, the, the person as an individual and figure out what decisions they're making to put themselves in a position to win or lose. Because last I checked, there's not a border wall around Watts or Southside Chicago or Compton or you know, Detroit, uh, you know, the bad area of Detroit. So you can get out of those areas. There's people that say, well, we need to invest in these, these communities. Got it. Got it. But until then, instead of waiting for someone to come invest in your community, maybe you should go to a community that is worth investing into for yourself in the meantime.
And then when you become successful, then you can bring your business back to those communities. But why is it that a lot of those people don't? I mean, those people that own these big businesses, why are they not investing in those communities? That's a conversation you can have with those people. And and they're allowed to have a reason, but I would like to know what it is. But my point is that it's the decisions that you make that have a huge impact on the trajectory of your life, so much more than trying to make a good political decision or who to vote for, or what rally to attend, or what to post on Facebook, and what side of an argument to be on. Just focus on making good decisions, and a lot of this stuff, you'll never have to worry about abortion laws. You'll never have to worry about DUI laws, or the uh, incarceration rates. You'll never have to worry about you know, gang violence, if you're not in a gang neighborhood, you don't have to worry about being a statistic. Now, bad shit happens all the time. Got it. You can still, we can still worry about that stuff, but you got to worry about you and your personal responsibility in the decisions that you can make every day. You got to do that first. We cannot fix whatever community that we're talking about before we fix the individuals. You have to start with yourself. That's that's why that in Jordan Peterson's book he says, you know, you got to start with cleaning your room. You want a victory every day, you're trying to achieve something. Start by just having some personal responsibility and pride in picking up your room, taking a shower, shaving your face, putting on some nice clothes and being prepared for the world, being intentional. Like not just fumbling around and just like, "Oh, I guess I'll do this." No, be extremely strict and disciplined with your own personal life. And then that will be the change that you want to see in the world. Be the change you want to see in the world. Don't drink and drive and then and then get mad about the system. Because I'm pretty sure that ship has sailed. We've decided as a society we don't want people drinking and driving. Don't use methadone and and meth and uh, counterfeit $20 bills and and conduct home invasions and then get mad at how the system treats you. You can get mad at the system when you should have never been in the system to begin with. You can get mad about if you invest in something like these business owners that got their businesses destroyed during the riots, they have something to complain about because they made every good decision that they could and life still kind of fucked them. So they've already worried about the micro. Now they can focus on the macro because the macro is fucking with their micro. But do everything you can to put yourself in that position. And so Oprah or Denzel Washington... Snoop Dogg, Ice Cube, Larry Elder, Thomas Sowell, right? All these successful black men. Everyone I just named, they none of them agree with each other. Morgan Freeman, right? He doesn't agree with Denzel Washington just because they're both black. They all have their own opinions. 
but they can have those opinions because they've made good enough decisions and fixed their lives to be able to get on the other side of it. And now they can worry about that, that macro, the, the big picture, because they've already, they've already solved the small picture, you see? And we're not doing a good enough job of explaining that to our youth that, hey, before you get balls deep in all the politics bullshit, before you get balls deep in trying to figure out if you want the blue pill or the red pill, maybe you ought to fix yourself. Maybe you ought to do everything you can before you become politically minded at all. Fucking fix yourself, clean your room. And then when you're on the other end of it, See what's holding you back. Then you can complain about it. Then you can say, this system is fucked. That's why you see entrepreneurs and people that are very successful rail against our tax system. Not because they're poor, because quite the contrary, they're making a lot of money and they're having, it's hard for them to expand their businesses because of tax laws. So that's when they start complaining about the, the big picture because they've done everything on the small picture side and they say, why am I still not making as much money as I, as I wanna make? Because I've done everything, I'm successful, I've made good decisions, and now some other entity is stifling my growth. But see, the problem with most people is they've done stifled their own growth before any other entity could even get a hold of them. If you're drinking and driving, if you're doing meth, if you're fucking pistol whipping drunk lady or uh, pregnant ladies, the system hadn't even done shit to you yet. All those decisions make you a bad human being, make you a flawed person. And I don't give a fuck what logic that you spit at me, some bullshit reason why you do those things because I'm not buying it. I live in the same fucking world and have the same opportunities to do those things or not do those things. I grew up uh, with a single mother. I haven't even talked to my father since I was five years old. I don't even know where he lives. I've never seen him or heard from him since I was five. I grew up in government housing. I lived there till I was in my early 20s. Till I was 24, 25, mid-20s. I have a GED. I dropped out of high school. And I didn't get my GED till I was in my 30s. So I didn't go to college until I was in my late 30s. I worked shitty fucking jobs. I lied on applications to get them because I was underqualified. But no one found out because I busted my ass and did the best job I could. So no one gave a shit what my qualifications were because I was able to do the job. Bending the rules is different than breaking the rules. Living within the societal structure is different than living outside of the societal structure. And if you want the benefits of society, then you better play by the rules that society has for you. We all break the rules sometimes or bend the rules. 
but you got to suffer the consequences. If you get, you know, if you go down that road, you always got to think, is the juice worth the squeeze? And if I lie about my qualifications on a job application, what's the worst that's going to happen? I get someone finds out and they fire me. Well, I didn't have that job to begin with. So I lost something that I never would have had it anyway. But if they find out and they don't care because I'm doing a hell of a job, like I used to say that I graduated high school because I went 12 years. I was just a credit and a half short. So I was like, you know what? I'm smarter than half the people I know that graduated high school. That was my justification, right or wrong. That's what I did. I drove my car without a licensed a license so I could teach myself how to drive, so I could pass my driver's test, right or wrong. That's what I did. But if I would have got pulled over and my car impounded or thrown in jail or whatever, then that was my decision. I have to suffer those consequences. I can safely say that the times in my life that I stuck my neck out and did something that was less than lawful, it was to better myself. It wasn't because I was undisciplined. It was because I was trying to take responsibility. No one drinks and drive drives because they're trying to better themselves. No one uses counterfeit money to better themselves or conducts a home invasion to better themselves. There's other decisions that you can do. Those are different types of people. And that's a different type of person that makes those decisions. So why I talk about this is because I remember growing up with dyslexia in in a single mother household and my mom made $18,000 a year, and I knew I would never go to college. I knew that I would never have some Fortune 500 job. No one was gonna buy me a car. I knew certain things I just knew. I knew that I lived in a bad neighborhood. There was a person that was stabbed to death in my fucking front yard. Another friend of mine when I was 16 got shot in the face and murdered at a fucking, um, at a uh, party that lived in those that same housing complex. I didn't live in the worst neighborhood. I really didn't. But there's a lot of bad shit that happened there. And there was a lot of shit every fucking day that I had to make a decision to avoid. Sometimes I didn't. I got in fights. I did some shit that I probably shouldn't have done. I, I, I talked about on the last podcast that I got caught throwing rocks at cop cars and hitting cop cars. Technically, I hit the hubcap. My friend hit the actual side of it, but whatever. But I had to correct certain behaviors and I had to, luckily, I was able to have enough common sense to stop making certain decisions. Like some certain decisions I made, like I do not drink alcohol. I do not do drugs. I don't commit crimes. I don't cheat on my wife. There's certain things that I just don't do. So you'd be surprised when you don't do certain things, that certain things don't happen to you. Doesn't mean nothing bad will happen to you. It just means that I can almost guarantee. No, no, no. I'll go ahead and guarantee you. I'm never going to get a DUI. 
because <laughs> I don't do drugs and alcohol. So what am I going to be under the influence of? I don't even take prescription drugs. If a doctor prescribes me a painkiller, I don't even take it. You know, I broke my finger and they try to give me a pain. And I was like, it's a broken finger. Give me a fucking break. So my point is that I can say without a shadow of a doubt that I'm not going to get a DUI. I can decide not to do that. Now, I have a lot of friends that do drink and they can say, I can hope I don't get a DUI. But even those people, if they want to, they can say, I will never get a DUI. They just will make sure that they never get behind the wheel if they fuck, if they drink. You can have control over your life if you want. You're not a victim. You can move out of whatever shitty neighborhood that you want. I used to blame not having a dad on all my problems when I was a kid until I hit a certain age as like my early 20s and I realized, well, obviously my dad is a dick and he's selfish and I probably am better off without him. And so I started feeling lucky. I was like, man, if he's this big of a piece of shit, he did me a favor. Why should I be mad at him? And in my, it was probably my late 20s, I started, I forgave my dad. Like I, I've never talked to him since, but I don't need to because I don't need a dad because I'm a grown man now. But ultimately, I don't hate him anymore because I realize ultimately he might have done me a favor. Maybe he knew that he wouldn't be a very good father and so he left. And so maybe he actually helped me out. Doesn't mean my life was easy, but you know, there's a lot of people that had hard lives. You know, I was picked on almost every day at school. I didn't have a girlfriend until I was out of high school. You know, I, I, I get that there's certain challenges that people have. <laughs> no one knows it better than I do. But I also know that where I'm at now, and it wasn't from a trust fund. It wasn't from inheritance. It wasn't because the government fucking bailed me out and fixed my neighborhood in Kansas City. No, I live in a completely different part of the country because I chose to. I chose to move. I chose to work and work my way up and change career fields when that wasn't working. I made decisions for my life that put me in a position where I'm at now. I got married and then got a divorce and lost everything and had to restart again. And then found the woman of my dreams and life is good, but I had to rebuild. You can still take a tumble and get back up. You just can't do criminal shit and expect the world to come rescue you. That's not how the world works. There's certain things that you can do that you cannot have undone. So we need to start with the micro, with personal responsibility. We need to start by letting our young people know that before you can complain about the structure in the system holding you back, you better start paying attention to the structure that's propping you up and elevating you to the point that you can own your own business, go to college, get married, have kids, have whatever car you want, whatever house you want, and all it takes is a little bit of work ethic, a little bit of structure, discipline, and a little bit of planning, and anybody in this country can have that. Even people that aren't born in this country can come here and have that. There's 
plenty of people 300 years ago that came to these lands and it was not like that. You can say whatever you want about Native Americans, about you know blacks and slavery. You could say whatever you want about how we treated Japanese during uh, World War II in this country, how we treat Hispanics, how we treat uh, other immigrants or LGBT or whatever. But here's the absolute, unequivocal, non-debatable fact is there's never been a better time to be any of those. Go be a transgender 300 years ago in fucking China or Italy or better yet, Persia, you know? And tell me how great your life is. Go be a black man 300 years ago in the United States. Go be a Native American before the white man came even. Does it, is it awful what happened? Yeah. But before we showed up, those Native Americans weren't just holding hands singing Kumbaya or whatever Native song. <laughs> Probably not Kumbaya. But they were fucking slaughtering each other. There's many a tribe that can't stand another tribe because they were slaughtering each other. Before we oppressed Hispanics, the Spanish came to Mexico and completely changed their culture, changed their language, changed everything. They oppressed them. And if you keep going back, you're going to see more and more and so on and so forth. We got to stop looking backwards. You're never going to fix a problem by looking backwards if you're not going to take those. The only way to do it is to to apply them going forward, but you can't undo shit. You look backwards so you know what to expect in the future and try to avoid certain problems, but make no mistake, you can't undo what's already been done. You can't. And it doesn't matter how many flags you burn, how many statues you pull down, how many history books that you revise. It doesn't change how we got here. But what I try to focus on is what does that flag stand for? If it doesn't stand for personal freedom to pursue happiness and to live a good life. And if you stay out of trouble and you have a good plan and you have a good work ethic, you have a better chance here than any place at any time to be successful. So at some point, you might want to stop complaining and just fix your own house before you start throwing rocks at other people's. Like I said in my last podcast, those people rioting and burning down Target and Wendy's, those aren't Fortune 500 people. Those aren't people that are entrepreneurs. That's not your valedictorians. I'm not saying that they're all idiots. Well, (laughs) maybe I am. Here's my point. If they had great things going on in their lives, they wouldn't be doing that shit. And I got it. There's a lot of people that say, well, the system and blah, blah, blah. Okay, that is your opinion. But my opinion is, I feel like that I've been there, done that. And I understand I had white privilege, so everything was handed to me. 
But I remember getting the shit beat out of me a few different times walking back from my job. I had to walk three miles to work every single day. I shouldn't say that. My mom called me out on that the other day. It was a mile and a half, three miles total. So mile and a half there, mile and a half back. But I used to cut through these woods to get there. I was a bus boy and I got tip money. So I got to pay cash every single night. And some dudes from the neighborhood realized that I walked through these woods at midnight when my shift got over and they would wait for me in the woods and they'd jump me and they'd take my fucking money. And that happened uh, a couple different times and I started taking a different route home. Um, and then um, I would I would start going, oh man, this is too long. I don't want to, I was, the, the, the other route home was like, was a legit three miles one way. So I was like, fuck that, I'm cutting through the woods. And I got jumped again. And so it wasn't the best decision, but at the time I was like, I am fucking sick and tired of being the victim. So I went out and got a baton. I, I didn't get a gun. I didn't get a knife, but I got one of those retractable batons. It was spring-loaded. And I started carrying that with me. And I got jumped again. And I don't want to say beat the fuck out of some guy, but I think I broke his arm with that fucking baton. I hit the shit out of him. And they 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 all ran. And... um I don't want to say it, that never happened again in the sense of like they were scared. I only worked that job a couple more months anyway um, before I, I, I started a different job. But my point is that, what was my point? Well, you know, taking some personal responsibility that I can, you know, choose to go a different path or take some responsibility. And I know what you're saying. Well, you're, you could easily been, uh, you're lucky you didn't get thrown in jail for assault. Got it understand that. But as soon as I had the opportunity to not be in that situation, I wasn't. And as soon as I could, the people that we're talking about, George Floyd was murdered. And I, and I hate even bringing him up into this because it's, it's completely wrong what happened to him. Like it should never happen in America, but he was my age and he's mid forties, I believe. And the other guy was, I think, in his 30s. It's not the first time they made these bad decisions. That's what I'm trying to say. Is there's not too many people. Like every once in a while, you'll meet somebody. It's like, yeah, first time I had sex, I got a girl pregnant. But most of the time, that's not what happens. Most of the time, we kind of get a freebie. Most of the time, we can get away with shit and go, man, I'm glad. You know, we 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 go 120 uh, down that street, and a kid jumps out, and and we barely miss him. And that's the wake-up call that says, oh, I better never do this again. That happens to so many of us, but we don't use that as a accelerant to fix our lives. That guy, Ray Shard, that got shot in the Wendy's parking lot in Atlanta, he's not a cat. He didn't have nine lives, but trust me, he had many opportunities in his life to get on track and stop making bad decisions. And that more than anything is what I'm trying to express to everybody listening to this. You have some control. Let's focus on what we can control. And then once we done everything we can do, then you start looking for outside help. Then you start looking for your community's assistant or neighbors or the government or whatever. But we got to stop starting with 
we need everything done for us because we can't undo slavery. We can't undo the oppression of Native Americans. We can't undo how we treated women in the 30s. We can't undo how we treat immigrants. We can't undo the Holocaust. We can't undo unjust wars, you know, uh, like Iraq, if people think that that was an unjust war. We can't undo that shit. We can learn from it going forward, but we can't undo it. But what we can do is realize what a, a blessing it is to live um, time now, <laughs> you know? And if you have some kind of ailment, chances are there's something our uh, modern medicine can help you with. And if you have some financial issue, there's there's somebody out there willing to help you. And if you go, no one's going to help me. Well, you know, maybe you haven't looked hard enough. You know, um, Thomas Edison, they say it took 900 times to create the light bulb. That means he failed almost 900 times. People, don't give up. That's when you have truly lost is when you've given up. You know, the last thing I'm going to say before I sign out is when I talk to young people at schools and I talk about the word loser, they say, oh, don't talk to that guy because he's a loser. And I go, how old is he? They go, oh, 17. I go, impossible. They say, what's impossible? I said, well, it's impossible to be a 17-year-old loser. You could be losing. But to say that the definition of a loser is that the game is over. So if you look at a football game and it's 40 to 10 and the game's over, that's a loser. But if it's 40 to 10 and it's not even halftime yet, then you're losing. Yeah, you got to make some vast changes. Yeah, you're going to really have to, you have a big hole you got to dig yourself out of, but you still got two quarters to do it. If you got down by 40 in two quarters, you can get up by 40 in two more. So when you're 17, it's not even halftime. It's not even, you're not even out of the first quarter yet, brother. So you can't be a 17-year-old loser. You could just be like me at 17, losing. And me at 18, 19, and then around 20 is when I started getting my shit together. A lot of you out there, you know people that are losing. They're not losers. But when you give up, you just forfeited the game. You are now officially a loser. Congratulations. Don't give up and you're not a loser. You're just losing. Start putting some points on the board and have some respect for yourself. And you might be amazed at what you can accomplish. The one downfall that you have by adhering to my philosophy is you have no one to blame but yourself for not accomplishing what you intended to accomplish. And at the very least, you have yourself to blame for not getting closer than where you are now. Not all, all of this, you know, if I say I want to be in the NBA, I can't just take personal responsibility and be in the NBA. But you'd be surprised what you can accomplish going for something that is unattainable and look what doors open up that you didn't even realize that you're interested in. 
one of my mottos is we don't control the opportunities, but we do control which opportunities that we take. So even if someone presents you with an opportunity that you might not want, go ahead and take it. Especially if you have limited opportunities in your life, take it and make it into the opportunity that you want. Stop complaining that you're not getting the opportunity that you want and start putting into action the things that you can control, like I'm going to take this opportunity and make the most of it. And then I'm going to turn that opportunity into another one. And then that one I'm going to turn into the one that I want. That is power, is when you start realizing that ultimately this is, here. here's the keys of the castle, people. You have to realize that you have so much power. You have so much opportunity if you just put a little bit of work and realize and just understand that it's not going to be easy. If you understand that, if you go, I know this is not going to be easy. I know nothing's going to be handed to me. And I know that, man, I want this in the next five years, but it might take me 10. And you go, fuck it, I'm going for it. I'll put in 10 years of work. You might be surprised and do it in two. But you got to be willing to put in the 10. You got to be willing to sign up for the 10 or the 20 or the 30 or however long it's going to take you. But I promise you, if you want to be an astronaut, I'm not going to promise you that you'll be an astronaut. But if you are intentional and you go through the steps of doing everything you can to put yourself in a position to be an astronaut, even if you're not an astronaut, you will. some door will open up and you'll have opportunities that you don't have now and you'll have a better life than what you would have had if you just sat on your ass and posting on Twitter and Facebook. You'll definitely have a better life than if you're just complaining about politics and expecting the world to give you an opportunity that they don't even know that you want, need, or deserve. Start taking accountability and take calculated risks in your life and be responsible for that and stop making stupid decisions. And more times than not, in America, you're going to find yourself on top. That's just how I see it. Please, by all means, if you think I'm full of shit, fucking tell me. And I'll tell you to take the biggest gorilla dick you can find and suck that bitch. <laughs> or, or eat it. It sounds better to eat a dick than suck it. Suck it sounds a little too intimate. <laughs> all right, guys. Um, I've taken up an hour and 10 minutes, but uh, hopefully um, I was able to articulate why I disagree with Joe Rogan and why I find it so troubling when people are constantly looking outward before they have looked inward. Um, Joe Rogan is someone that's focused a lot on himself, and so it's easy for him to look outward um, that things you know need to be changed or whatever, 
But before we can reform the outward, we need to reform the inward. And that starts with us as individuals and us as individuals buying into the system. That's when you really know that it works or doesn't work. If both people buy into it or all people, I should say, buy into something and it still doesn't work, then you know the system is flawed and not the individuals in the system. So anyway, I could go on for hours and hours and hours, but I always try to keep my podcast somewhere around an hour. But um, thank you guys for joining me, a foot podcast uh, at Twitter. So if you want to uh, follow me on Twitter, I don't really don't post too much shit, but it's uh, a good way to communicate with me. Uh, you can also a foot podcast at gmail.com. Reach out, send me an email, go to my website, afootpodcast.com. You can send an email right through the website as well. The website's more to just host um, or just to, 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 what's the term? Host my podcast basically for iTunes and all that stuff. So if you ever go to my website thinking you're going to find something new, it, it it's really an afterthought. This podcast is about the only thing I, I put a smidgen of pigeon of effort into. Um, but please communicate with me if you feel the need. And if you don't, just want to be a listener. Thank you for the support. And as always, be kind to one another. Till next time, people. Peace. <laughs>